It's the abominable snowman! There's only one way to stop it! I'm going to wake up Big Paw. He's the only one that can take on this ice monster. Wait! Wait! Now I already notified Actual Faction. You did? Yep. He's coming in his plane. He's got a tranquilizer gun. Country, a Berenstain Bear cast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and this week, welcome to my studio. Welcome to my wonderful home. Uh, as you can see, if you're looking, you'll see uh, windows back here. There's a stairwell leading to the upstairs where my seven year old is watching uh, Spirit, the horse cartoon. Uh, to this side, nothing. I changed the camera position so that you can't actually see what's over there anymore. You could while I was setting up, but now you can't. Uh, you may be wondering why am I talking about cameras? It is because this is a live Facebook podcast. I am live casting this on Facebook, which I haven't done in a month or so, uh, because I am covering a book, A, by myself, and B, that is weird and has topics and discussions that I have never covered in this entire podcast. And what I want you to think about while you're listening to this, if you're listening to it at home in the car, I want you to think about bear country and religion. Now, you may be saying, Phil, we've discussed bear country and religion. We've discussed Berenstain bear books that incorporate Judeo-Christian values. Haven't we discussed Berenstain bears and religion? And in a way, we have. But what we were talking about back in those books, and by those books, I mean usually the Cub Club books that were adapted into religious books after the fact, is we were discussing a sort of form of religion that, in my opinion, isn't intrinsic to bear country. Or we were looking at a, a variation on modern, I hesitate to use the word American, but American Christianity, uh, kind of overlaid onto the world of bear country. We were seeing religion as a prop, or religion as a, uh, wow, I don't want to say as a way to sell books, but as a way to sell books. It's a religion that didn't really reflect what was going on in bear country, or the experiences of the bears, or the history of the bears, or the culture of the bears. So we, what we saw was very, very removed from the books themselves. Like, in general, Berenstain Bear books have uh, basically two layers. You have the, uh, I'll use this hand, they have two layers. They have the plot that is sort of the story that it keeps you interested. And then they have the the moral, the point, the 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 raison d'etre for the book, the whole, the whole shebang, like why it exists in the first place. So you may have like uh, brother and sister encounter a stranger uh, and a brother has to learn not to talk to strangers. There's your plot, and then you have here's the edge. Here's the lesson for the kids. Here's how not to talk to strangers. Here's the lesson for adults. Here's how to teach your kids not to talk to strangers. That kind of thing. Uh, what happened with the religious books is we suddenly had this other layer sort of added onto the top. So we had a story about like brother and sister learn the importance of saving their money. So you had that. Uh, then you have children reading the books learn the value of saving money. And there's your lesson right there. But then you added this extra layer, which was uh, you learn how that also makes God happy, which was kind of the gist of the Berenstain Bears piggy bank blessings, where you had a pre-existing story, and then they added another, like, just sort of skin on top of it. And 
while that may or may not be effective to the reader at home, that wasn't very satisfying as far as me being a reader of the Berenstain Bears, exploring their culture and the way they interact with the world. It didn't seem true to the Bears' experience, if that makes any sense. It didn't seem like something that grew organically out of bear country. And so in my mind, I was always like, what is religion really like in bear country? Uh, the newer Living Lights books, we don't really know a whole lot about, you know, like those yet. We haven't gotten to Living Lights. And as far as I'm concerned, Living Lights is a whole other uh, ball of wax, a whole other continuity. Uh, I, once we get to Living Lights, once we get to the uh, religious, religious books, we're going to be talking about a whole other storyline that branches off. It's just they got hit by the religious bug and everything changed after that. The, the chapter books are very much their own thing. And as far as I'm concerned, the chapter books are the truest form of bear, uh, as our listener Jerry says, culture uh, that we have, will have ever and probably will ever experience in the the world of bear country. We're never probably going to hit anything this bizarrely complex. And so reading through the Berenstain Bears book this week, which is 1997's The Berenstain Bears, The Berenstain Bears Scouts and the Ice Monster, which, spoiler alert, does actually have an ice monster. Uh, not even like it's really a robot that looks like a monster or it's a prop that looks like a monster, but it may very well count as a monster in bear country. Uh, it fills that role and is monstrous and alive. Uh, this book touches on subjects that are weird and unnerving and speak volumes about the history of bear country and the way it developed sociologically and biologically. And I'm very excited to talk about it. So the Berenstain Bears and the Ice Monster. Uh, what, in, in just in a nutshell, what the book is about is it is winter carnival in bear country. Uh, winter is arriving. Apparently bear country has a huge ice festival every year, not unlike the St. Paul winter carnival that we have over in St. Paul, uh, Minnesota. I'm in Minnesota, the Twin Cities. Uh, and in, and we have this huge uh, winter festival every year where they build an ice castle and they do ice sculptures and you can... Is it in St. Paul? Now that I think about it, I've never been. No, it's far away, isn't it? In some other place? Edit that, edit that. Forget it, forget it. I don't, I don't care. Uh, but we do have this big ice festival, big snow festival, big winter celebration. And Papa, for some reason, has been made the uh, Grand Marshal of the winter festival. There's no explanation given, but he's made the Grand Marshal. He's in charge of everything, apparently. And for some reason, they don't. Uh, Alana says, yes, St. Paul. I was right. Uh, the Winter Carnival is in St. Paul. I've only lived here since 1998. So... Papa's made the Grand Marshal of the Winter Festival, and that doesn't actually come into play at all. Uh, I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret right now. Based on a Saturday morning cartoon episode, came into play a little bit more in that one. They kind of brush over it in this. Okay, Winter Carnival. Uh, the Bear Scouts have a one job to do, and that is take a stuffed bear up Mount Grizzly to Big Paw, our friend Big Paw. He's the giant, probably 30-foot-tall bear who's the missing link. He's uh, sort of the megafauna of bear country. He's a, he was an un, he, he's sort of the Bigfoot of bear country. He is uh, Actual Factual has basically said he represents some place where the evolution of bears branched off, and Big Paw was left behind. He is apparently immortal. He cannot die. He has no friends like 
like him. There is no other bear like him in all of bear country. Uh, he is lonely. He lives atop Mount Grizzly, and uh, they visit him every once in a while. And apparently, before uh, he goes into, well, we'll get to that. But the bears are bringing the, the scouts. Uh, that's Lizzie, Freddie sister and brother the scouts are bringing him a stuffed bear it's his hibernation gift so big paw is going into hibernation now as we all know as you're probably all furiously typing into your little phones right now bears don't actually hibernate they go into what is called torpor which is kind of like a pseudo like i'm just really tired and i'm just gonna hang out and be like tired and sleep a lot but i'm not really hibernating i'm not i am not completely unconscious for all of winter it's called it's torpor and it's a thing that bears do let's assume though that this is something that either the bears don't understand about their own biology because they refer to it as hibernation or it is something culturally called hibernation i, I, I want to talk to you about uh, cultural, we, uh, Nicholas just joined the just joined the stream. Hello, Nicholas. Uh, it's wonderful to have you in the stream. Uh, I want to talk to you about cultural signifiers in bear country. Uh, biologically speaking, the bears once upon a time went into torpor during the winter. Uh, this is something that they actually state in this book. Uh, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of years ago, the bears that we know, their ancestors went into torpor every winter. Now, over the years, this is something they understand about themselves biologically, something they no longer do, something evolved past. It is something that no longer they even feel the, an inkling towards needing to do when, they, when winter comes. They simply celebrate they celebrate what they once did. Uh, they have a winter celebration called the Winter, the winter Carnival. Now, I'm going to put forward that they understand that what they do in the winter or did in the winter once upon a time is not literally hibernation, but that over the years they have culturally come to call it hibernation. This is a, a non-biological term. It is a, it, is a, it is a sociologically specific cultural term that has to do more with the recognition of the impact of their torpor than it is uh, to what actually occurs within their bodies or once occurred within their bodies at this time. Either that or they believe they actually did hibernate because the only proof they would have biologically speaking, well, not even biologically speaking, the only proof they would have would be sociological. Uh, our version of uh, interpreting the uh, sort of the, the, the symbols left behind by our ancestors, you know, the paintings on cave walls, the, uh, the, the detritus left behind by uh, our early ancestors. So all they know is what little clues they had and they observe other animals going into what is literally hibernation and probably assumed okay once upon a time bears went into hibernation there being no wild bears in our world to speak of so the bears as far as they're concerned what big paw is doing is hibernating this is a long way of saying it makes sense that they would refer to torpor as hibernation uh again big paw being the only example of his kind of bear left in bear country he's very alone he's very sad most of the time he's very ignored except when bad things happen in relation to big paw so they're bringing him this stuffed bear they bring it to him he says thank you he's preparing his hibernation nest okay that's that now the big thing, the thing that caught my attention when I first started reading this book is there is a character who shows up in the second chapter. He ha He's handing out business cards to people who are setting up for the Winter Carnival. And his name, according to his business card, is, get this, capital I period, capital M period, weird. His name is I am weird, which is a little on the nose a little on the nose as far as like bear country is concerned. 
I am weird. Uh, and his whole thing, he is a hermit, apparently, some sort of shaggy, transient character. We've never met him again. He is in bedraggled clothing. He is in like his 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 pants are cut off. He's wearing a, a dirty hat. He has a scraggly beard, and he's handing out these cards. And what they say is, repent. Or prepare to meet your doom. Uh, he goes on and on about doom. And we find out from Gramps that I am weird is what is known in bear country. This is something that I have never, again, no hint that this is a thing. He is what is known as a hibernationist. Hibernationists are bears who believe that the bears in bear town and bear country and bear world are have separated themselves, have gone too far from nature. He's some kind of uh, nature person. He's a, he, he believes that the only true way to live is to embrace what used to be their biological impulses and hibernate in the winter. Now, he doesn't just believe that this is something that is uh, biologically necessary. He seems to believe that this is something that they need to do or else some sort of doom, and he says this, doom will befall bear country. He goes around preaching doom. He goes around preaching that the end of civilization, like literally the end of civilization is going to occur this winter if the bears do not repent, his words, not mine, repent and embrace hibernation along with apparently all the other hibernationists. This is... Not a huge part of the plot, but is it a huge part of the theme? And I Am Weird pops up periodically, gets warned off by the police for disrupting the the, the building of the Winter Carnival, um, warning people, writing terrifying letters in the snow saying, repent, repent, your doom is at hand, your doom is at hand. Uh, meanwhile, wait, it gets, it gets nuttier, Nicholas. It gets nuttier. Uh, meanwhile... Uh, the big paw is is getting ready for to to sleep, and our good friend Raffish Ralph, ha, or Ralph Ripoff as he is in the books, uh, has left a message for the Cubs. Now here's where things get really weird. Okay, so they bring him they bring him his stuff. Now on the way down from Mount Grizzly, they okay. I'm just gonna I'm gonna read this out loud because the way this is phrased is telling. Okay, it was snowing steadily now. The snowshoe prints they had made on their way were already snowed under. The three sentinels stood just ahead. They were three huge boulders that were said to guard Mount Grizzly. They were the only things in sight that weren't completely snow-covered. As the scouts shussed forward in the silent snow, they felt as if they were the only living beings on a strange planet where no one had gone before. But as they approached the first sentinel, it became clear that someone had gone there before. And what happens is they discover that there's a message written uh, on each sentinel. So there's three. It's kind of like a Burma shave ad, like a message, a message, a message. But I want to go back to these sentinels. Can we please stop for a second and address the fact that Mike or Leo or Stan or Jan has never a told us that there are standing stones in bear country. And I want to get to talk about the fact that we've never addressed bear country's embracing of the fae or the uh, good people or fairies or any kind of 
other than Christianity religious belief, belief in the other kin, believe in the fair folk, believe that there might be something outside of their own world that needs to be guarded against by sentinel standing stones, which I find very strange and not something you can just brush off barren stains. Uh, we have a doomsday prophet. We have hibernationist and now we have standing stones this is arthur macon level fiction this is standing stone okay so the idea is that standing stones would be there because they were placed there by an ancient people now according to the berenstain bears go to camp we know that bear country has ancient civilizations we know that bear country has its version of uh indigenous americans of 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 what we what it's kind of like their native population. We don't know what they were called. We don't know much about them. We know they had religion. We know they had stories because their religion, their myths, and their stories were shared, of course, by a white bear, but by a bear in the Berenstain Bears go to camp. Part of their camp was sharing the uh, the traditions of native the native bear population. So we know that there's an ancient bear population there. We know that there are now standing stones. We know that standing stones tend to stand, uh, at least in a lot of in a, in a lot of uh, the of, of older beliefs, especially when it comes to weird fiction, especially when it comes to the beliefs of the white people who interpreted these standing stones that they encountered thousands of years later in uh, in in America and Europe. Uh, some of them people. Believe they they stand as gateways or portals to other worlds. So we have in Bear Country at the base of Mount Grizzly the Sentinels. And what does a Sentinel do? It stands guard. What are these stones standing guard against? Anyone? I don't know. It doesn't say. It doesn't go into the Sentinels. But I find it very dark and creepy that there are Sentinel stones in Bear Country. That they are somehow related to Big Paw. They're somehow related to Mount Grizzly. And again, Doomsday Prophet, end of the world type stuff. So what's on these Sentinel Stones? A message. A message for the Bear Scouts, says the first one. On a matter of life or death, says the second one. Help, signed Ralph R. It's Ralph Ripoff. What's happening is Ralph Ripoff is freezing to death on his houseboat. He didn't get, uh, he didn't move his houseboat down river soon enough. So the, the cold is moving in. He has icicles hanging off his nose. He put his parrot in the oven. Not to cook it, he makes that clear, but to keep it warm, which is strange. But he put his he put squawk in the oven, and he's begging the cubs. He's saying, "You need to you need to help me out here. I don't have any money. I can't do any swindles. It's too cold. People aren't out and about. I tried to get a spot at the winter carnival, but nobody will let me have my games there because they're they assume they'll be rigged. But I promise, if you let if you if you go to Papa, if you go to the mayor and say that Ralph isn't going to rig his games, and they let me just please let me be at the at the winter carnival so I don't die. The Cubs say they'll do what they can. They leave. Of course, Ralph was ripping them off. It was all fake. He he had fake icicles hanging off of his face. He wasn't really freezing to death. He's a liar, as we know from Ralph Ripoff. He is a liar. Um. But they all think he's freezing and starving. They beg uh, Papa better to have a heart. Now, just in case you didn't think this book was getting weird enough, uh, we're introduced to, and I wish I could show you a picture of this. I tried to set it up so that I could, but I couldn't get it to work at the end of the day. Um, they're building an ice tower. Uh, not even, not, not like a, a round tower. Uh, we're building a Babel-esque tower. It is made entirely of uh, square ice cubes they don't say what it's for either it's just oh yeah we're building a giant ice tower up i don't know presumably to climb to to reach heaven i don't know it's extremely biblical it doesn't go into a whole lot about it it just says 
Squire Grizzly brought one of his construction crews in to cut the blocks of ice from the frozen lake and another to build the tower. It was exciting watching the ice tower climb into the sky. It's supposed to be 30 stories tall. 30 stories. They're building a 300-foot tower in the middle of bear country in recognition of the Winter Carnival. Doomsday Prophet. Sentinel Stones. Gateway to another world. Giant living in the mountains. End of the world. Okay, so we have all this stuff adding up. But what's the actual plot here? I don't know. It's not adding up to much of anything. Okay, so the Doomsday Prophet comes back. He writes this huge thing in the mountain. says, repent or prepare to meet your doom. He gets dragged away by the cops. Ralph comes running up. And he's like, help, help, help. There's a monster on the way. The Doomsday Prophet's like, of course there's a monster on the way. It's Doomsday. Ralph is running and running and running. The bears hear that there's a monster on the way. They gather up all their weapons sticks, clubs, heavy rocks, and head to the carnival grounds to confront a monster. Now, of course, there can't possibly be a monster, except there is. There's a giant monster, this huge, enormous, like 20, 30-foot-tall monster, shaggy, covered in mud and ook and gunk, and it's stomping and tromping its way. Papa's the Grand Marshal, so he feels like he's got to do something. So Papa takes it upon himself to go get Big Paw to help. This monster, meanwhile, is climbing the Tower of Babel. I, I assume that's what it is. Uh, it's, this, it's this megalithic structure being mounted by this sort of ancient beast, this this old one, this thing that has risen out of somewhere, come through the Sentinel Stones, perhaps? Papa runs off to the Big Paw's cave, but Big Paw isn't even there. And now things start getting really weird. Everyone's freaking out about this monster. But uh, Gramps says, you know, don't worry, because actual factual is on his way. And uh, Fred says, this is a perfect chance for Actual Factual to try out his latest invention. It's a biplane with a wing-mounted tranquilizer machine gun rigged to shoot through the propeller. Why was Actual Factual building a biplane with a wing-mounted tranquilizer machine gun so he could shoot through the propeller unless he thought maybe there was going to be something he needed to shoot a tranquilizer machine gun at through the propeller. So, giant monster shows up. Bridge to heaven. Doomsday prophet. End of the world. Sentinel stones. Arthur Macon. The fey folk. Gateways to another world. Actual factual has a tranquilizer machine gun biplane on standby. So, of course, he flies in. And yes, Nicholas, you never do know when it'll come in handy, particularly when you're a town that doesn't tend to encounter things that require a machine gun biplane tranquilizer. Anyway, actual factual shows up. Now, at this point, Lizzie starts freaking out. Remember, she's our animal lover, and she's like, I hope he doesn't hurt whatever that animal is. Sister starts putting two and two together. Actual factual swoops down to shoot the monster that's climbing up the tower. He misses, but he does, like, clip the monster, and they see a flash of red, which we're led, as readers to believe, is a flash of blood. It's not... But for a second, you're like, my gosh, did they just, like, lacerate a monster in the bear country with a biplane mounted with a machine gun? Like, the whole thing starts getting out of hand. Of course, we realize this is not the monster they thought it was. The red wasn't blood. It was a bow, a big red bow tied around a teddy bear. What this is is Big Paw, who is 
sleepwalking down from Mount Grizzly. He's covered in his nest, his hibernation torpor nest. He's un like unaware of what's happening, which means that he tried to climb there very like strange religious tower and then the gun in the plane and he falls now there's another weird thing here where they were like wait a minute what if he gets hit with a tranquilizer and he and he and he hurts him like he falls he doesn't he loses his grip and slides down the tower uh big paws like hey where am i and they're like you must have sleptwalked here sorry big paw and then someone's like hey hey ralph ripoff he rigged his machines we just saw that there's a foot pedal on his machine so big paw hits him with the snowball and then mr weird i am weird is like hey everyone and they're like what's up i am weird how are you doing and he says i'm fine and they say what about all those predictions about hibernation and doom they didn't come true. How do you feel about that? And he says, and I quote, Hey, you win some, you lose some. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to ride on the merry-go-round. And he did. That's literally the last line of the book. I am weird goes to ride on the merry-go-round. And then there's a preview for the next book. Nothing gets resolved in bear country on this day. We have introduced several factors. Ancient religion. Sentinel stones. Monsters and the end of the world. And they're just like, I guess it didn't come true. That's it. And then they go right on their rides. And that's it. Mark says... It was a holodeck, ep- and it does seem like a holodeck episode. Like, this was like a training simulation for the bears. Like, they were like, okay, what if one day there's a monster in bear country? Uh, we've got to put together a great uh, – uh, we got to get some actors in here. we got to, we got to set up with the government. we got to figure out how to, like, how to run through this drill in case something like this. That's exactly what it seems like. It seems like a training exercise for their disaster preparedness. And maybe bear country would have disaster preparedness. But, again, they only have two elected officials – uh, Police Chief Bruno and Mayor Horace J. Honeypot, who sometimes gets the beginning and ends of his words mixed up. That's his That's his character. Um, now, it may not surprise you, this was based on a Saturday morning cartoon episode, which, surprisingly enough, is pretty much this, minus I Am Weird and The Standing Stones. Also, Pop is not the Grand Marshal. He's just in charge of, like, the sporting events. Like the the physical events at the at the at the at the at the carnival, but it's pretty much exactly that. Uh, and there's of course no scouts because there's no scouts in the cartoon. They're just brother and sister. A brother and sister bring Big Paw his bear. Uh, Big Paw sleepwalks. He brings his hibernation nest down with him. Uh, he climbs a tower at the thing, and uh, actual factual shows up to shoot him down and doesn't doesn't shoot him down. Why? Because it's a Berenstain Bears book. And you can't shoot someone with an airplane in your Berenstain Bears book. Uh, so we probably knew it wasn't going to end tragically. But what this book did... Okay, so the Bears have contextualized their own history. Now, we know that... I, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not an expert on anything. Or look at my life. I'm no, I don't know much about much. But I do know that <clears throat> these like, like religions 
so far the bears have only dealt with religion uh, textually. Like these are textual religions. These are, these are, we have read this book and we are now applying these rules to our lives. What we're looking at here is older bear religion. What we're looking at here is bear religion that is related to their biology, that is related to where they live, where they grew up, to the caves they, they experienced, uh, to, ways to explain why they had to sleep in when when the land became dark and cold that's that was the i believe origin of bear country faith like hum, humanity didn't deal with that uh, yes we had to struggle through the cold yes we struggled in caves yes like once upon a time we had to uh, to interpret the world around us in that way but bears had this this torpor that they would experience in the winter and they had to incorporate that into their early cultures and i find that so bizarre that they're now touching on it in these in these chapter books that the bear scouts were the ones who encountered it although the bear scouts don't do much in this book they they really are just bystanders uh, observers in their own narrative bear country is far more complex than even i i've been led to believe this was i am years into this project now i am 140 some odd episodes into this and i am just still being hit left and right by the stuff that they have, have, have put into these books. And understand that I can now no longer look at the religious books that are coming out without knowing that the bears had, for want of a better word, the old religion, the old faith. Like, the only other hints we've gotten to this, besides bears saying bears go to camp, is the fact that Grizzly Gran is a fortune teller. She's a scryer. She can read the future in honeycomb. That's the only other thing we know, and we don't know where that came from. Uh, we were led to believe she may have some Eastern European background just because of the way she dresses with the scarves and the... But that's it. Like that's And that's all just surface. We don't really understand like where they came from originally like before they arrived in America. So there's some old faith here. There's some snow faith there's some religion born of the ice and the cold religion born of survival and i think that i am weird probably not his real name i believe that i am weird is one of the ancient practitioners of it i want you guys when you go home tonight look into arthur macon uh look into algernon blackwood uh, look into Lord Dunsany, but like his like his like creepier writings, like the stuff that's like, oh, this is whimsical, but also like what's going on with these creatures. Uh, look into the work. Look into those works. The, the 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 writers who deal with the horror underneath our world. The 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 the, 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 the existences beyond our existence. We already know that Bear Country that the chronology has split into several realities in the past, into the dream worlds, uh, two dream landscapes, and several different continuities. So somewhere along the lines, some bears became aware that their reality was fractured. And this book, The Berenstain Bears and the Ice Monster, is the first indication we have that there is a, a religion, a cult, uh, based around this knowledge and these these beliefs. Um, and that's it. It doesn't go any further than that. It's available as an ebook. You can you can buy it. You can go on to your favorite ebook supplier and pick up Berenstain Bears and the Ice Monster. Just go go on to whatever wherever you get ebooks from. Just order it. It's not expensive. And 
it's weird and worth a look. Uh, maybe, I guess. Maybe you can find it at your public library. But I bought it. I paid my own money for it because I support the bears, the Berenstains. They, they got to eat. Mike's got to eat. So does Leo. And pay his friends. So that's it. Uh, Casey says, fractured realities? Shocked face. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We are talking fractured realities. We are talking... We are talking uh, worlds within worlds. So now I can't not see that. Once you've seen it, you you can't look away. And we know that there are weasels underground that nobody believes in. And now we know that there are monsters at the heart of bear country. So welcome to Deep in Bear Country 3.0, I guess, because things are getting darker as we go along. Uh, thank you, everyone who joined me this evening and listened to me rant and ramble. This book was phenomenal in weird ways. It's not a great story. It doesn't really go anywhere, but it raises questions. And that's really all I'm concerned about is the books that dared explore the world of bear country. Uh, if you have any insights, let me know. I'm at BerenstainBearCast at gmail.com. You can find me at BerenstainBearCast.wordpress.com. You can uh, find me on Twitter. I am at be stained bearcast. Uh, you can uh, go to my Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash deep and bear country. If you want to throw a couple bucks my way, I really appreciate it. I have two other podcasts I do. I do It's Del Toro Time with my teenager Ollie, where we discussed the movies of Guillermo del Toro as well as the movies of his influences. We just, uh, I believe this week we have I Walked with a Zombie coming out. So check that one out. We'll be, uh, we'll be doing more movies in the future. And uh, check out Click It Cast, a Beverly Cleary podcast that I do with my co-host, John McCoy, the wonderful, beautiful John McCoy. He's an amazing man. He gives so much, and we all love him. So uh, check those out. Click It Cast, and it's Del Toro time. Thank you all so much for paying attention to me. Uh, it warms, warms my heart. Welcome to my home. Welcome to my home. I got to go get my kid off Netflix now and uh, make sure she gets to bed on time. All right. Well, thank you all so much, and I'll see you all next time deep in Bear Country.